At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Monique, and this is episode 79 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share how to get started and how to keep going with the vegan lifestyle in a very practical way and sprinkle in, of course, some vegan wellness and just vegan business, just overall vegan life because it's so much more than food is what I like to do with this podcast. Be sure to come hang out with me on social media. I'm Brown Vegan everywhere, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I have a guest on the show for you. I have Chelsea Williams from thatchelsea.com. And uh, you probably, a lot of you guys probably already know who Chelsea is. She does great work. She's awesome with social media, I have to say that. And she takes phenomenal pictures, food and lifestyle pictures on her Instagram. So go check her out for some inspiration. I found Chelsea on Twitter, but um, we were able to connect offline because uh, she helped me, my, helped me with my first TV appearance last year. She gave me so much valuable information as far as, you know, how to prepare for being on TV, even as far as what's aware, just everything. She was super helpful. I was like a stranger to her. So I really appreciate her just, you know, paying it forward and just helping me get going with everything. She just has a really good heart. I really love how she is able to be so approachable with her brand and just her lifestyle as a whole. In this episode, we chat about so much, y'all. I'm telling you. Uh, we chat about how she was diagnosed with Graves' disease as a child and how she manages that disorder using food and just wellness, how she manages to work full time and still keep everything going with this amazing, thriving side business that she has going on that eventually, in my opinion, is going to turn into a full-fledged business because she's going to be so busy that she's not going to be able to do both. That's how I see it for her. Even though when I connected with Chelsea, I wanted to talk a lot about health. We did spend a lot of time talking about business too, how she was able to start her blog, why she started it, um, how she's able to secure sponsorships, pitching brands, having genuine connections with companies how to set up a media kit, how to use LinkedIn. I mean, she really goes in and gives us so much valuable information on how to start a brand, how to grow a brand, and why you don't really need a whole bunch of following to get to where you want to be, how you can just focus on your engagement and take that to the next level. If you follow Chelsea, you know that she loves clean beauty, clean ingredients. is just so important to her. And so I had her at the end tell us some of her favorite products and how she's using them. And of course, all of the links for that will be at brownvegan.com under episode 79. If you want to check that out. So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into Chelsea's vegan story. So when I was in middle school, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. And basically during that time, there wasn't a lot of information about, you know, thyroid disorders and all of that. And it's something that I had just had lived with my whole life. And fast forward to probably about 2010, 2011, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. At the time, I thought, you know, hey, there has to be a way to manage this condition a little bit better um, because they were telling me I was going to have to have my thyroid removed. Pretty much, I was already kind of transitioning to like a more natural way of living. I, at that time, I was trying to go natural. And um, when I went to the doctor and he told me that, you know, with symptoms with, with hypothyroidism, you live with symptoms that mimic clinical depression. You're going to be prone to weight gain. You're going to be tired all the time. You're going to lose your hair. You know, there's all these symptoms that he told me that, you know, I was not going to be able to control and I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And I just really didn't want to accept that. I had been 
an athlete for most of my younger years. And, um, you know, when I first transitioned, it was more so out of, I, I hate to say it like this, but like vanity purposes, like I'm an athlete, I'm fit, I'm this, I'm that. And I didn't want to gain weight. And I was like, okay, let me try to figure out some ways I can keep my weight down. Mm -hmm. Now, that's when I started doing more research. You know, this is before, way before what the hell. This was like when Food Inc. was out and Bananas and Cowspiracy. And I started watching all these documentaries. And it really just changed the way I looked at food in general. And I also, at the same time, I was working for a pharmaceutical company that was providing financial assistance to um, people living with Crohn's disease and multiple sclerosis. And so pretty much, you know, me dealing with my own chronic health issues, me seeing the documentaries that I watched and learning more about food and more about, you know, a vegan lifestyle and also working with people, you know, who had chronic diseases, you know, I just decided that moving towards a vegan um, lifestyle, plant-based lifestyle was best for me and my health. It's funny because, you know, I was already sick and my family members were saying things like, and this is where I messed up at. I was telling people, you know, I wanted to go vegan or I wanted to cut out meat or and at the time I wasn't even saying I wanted to go vegan. It wasn't in those words. It was like, you know, I think I'm just going to give up meat. You know, I think I'm just going to do vegetarian for a while. And, and family and friends were like, well, you're already sick and you don't know anything about nutrition. And so then that's when I actually decided to go pursue a nutrition degree. So then I got a master's in nutrition. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because I just, I was one of those people who, I was already working in the health field. Like I, previously before I was a um, graphic designer mm-hmm. and I never found work at a firm or a graphic field. Um, and then when I started working for the pharma company, that was like my first, really my first kind of job out of college. And um, it was a public health job. So then I was like, okay, this is just a good fit. And I moved into the public health world and I was interested. That's how I became interested in nutrition and, and holistic wellness and all of that. So yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you how I found you, Chelsea. I was looking for something by a uh, hashtag. And then I saw that you were in the DC area too. And I was like, oh, she's cute. Who is this? And so I started looking and I was like, oh, she's a vegan. And then when you mentioned, I think in your bio or on your website that you have Gray's disease, it really made me interested in your story and who you are because my mom also has it as well. And I always look at different ways to help her with it. She is definitely open-minded for like more of a, you know, vegan lifestyle because it helps, I guess, would help manage some of the symptoms. Is that your, mm-hmm. do you feel like that's what happened with you? Yeah. And see, it was very slow going. And this is the thing with this lifestyle is like, I, I went into it knowing that I just, I just wanted to be, feel healthier. So anything I could do to make me feel like a little bit better, I was on board with it. And I was already, you know, at the same time trying to go through my hair issues. And I was like, what can I eat to make my hair grow? And like all of this stuff. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, I definitely found that like, even if the way I started, I hadn't even totally cut out meat the whole way. Like the first thing I started doing was just having starting my day with a green smoothie every single day, mm-hmm. like just trying to start the day with something from fresh food, almost like kind of like the same concept, like just go ahead and st- get up in the morning, go to the gym and get it out the way. You're done for the day. You're done. Yeah. Um. But then as I started to eat more like whole fresh foods, I have my smoothies. I started to crave that. So then I started to say, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to have a smoothie for breakfast. I'm going to have fruit for breakfast. And I'm going to try to have a salad for lunch with like no meat and like see what that looks like and what, how to like manage my portions and figure out like, you know, what makes keeps me full and stuff like that. So then I just started having meat like just for dinner. So I got, and then I started just doing fish. And as I was doing it, whenever I did like slip back and have like chicken or whatever, whatever it was, me, I just felt like, uh, like my body was like, no, like I was tired. And, um, I just, my digestion was way off. Like I could tell, like I had way better digestion than I did before. And, um, as I just continued to keep incorporating more real, like whole foods, I just, my energy levels were better. My skin was better. My mood was better. Like it just, it was, it was kind of crazy. And see, the things is people don't talk about with this, with thyroid disease, but, um, like I said, we do have, you know, um, symptoms that mimic, depression. So, you know, I would always be tired. I would feel sad for no reason. Moodiness is like a big, you know, thing. Yes. And I felt like my, I was really not saying I still don't experience those things because this is something that, you know, is there's no cure, but I definitely feel like a lot of that has subsided because I was already pretty active, but I still would just have these mood swings. But I feel like when I started changing my diet, like my mood started to be normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was like, okay, I don't wake up with like this I used to just wake up feeling like um, like so overwhelmed by life and by how I was feeling and everything like that, that 
I didn't, I, sometimes I didn't want to get out of the bed. Like I wouldn't get out to like noon. Uh, so I think that's just something that people don't talk about either. It's just like, I don't know if it's because the food started making me feel better and then my mood just naturally got better or what, but you know, the mood side of things was just like a really big deal with food. And so I think it's really important to say. Yeah, I can see the food making a difference if you're eating like more fresh food. Um, did you, did your mom or your grandmother, your aunt, who has it in your family? No one, no one. And that's why I find it interesting because, you know, thyroid disease is an endocrine disorder and, you know, diabetes is an endocrine disorder, but diabetes does run in my family. So I, I could argue, you know, that there may be a link between the two. I don't know for sure, of course, but no one else in my family um, had this condition. I was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Because in my family, it was my grandmother, my aunt, my mom. So um, every like two years or so, I try to get tested and see what's going on just to make sure because I'm well aware that it's like a lot in my family. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'm so serious because I feel like I'm telling you, that's what connected me to you because I, I never saw anyone else online talking about it. So I'm glad oh, that you wow. I like how you took the energy of your family questioning whether or not you would get enough. Uh, nutrition and going to school to do that. Did you notice that when you went to school for nutrition, that it was a meat center approach to this, to um, nutrition or what was your experience with that? Yeah, it definitely wasn't the standard American diet approach. Even then when I was pursuing my nutrition degree, like I was not looking at it like, oh, it it wasn't until like I was almost done and I was like, okay, Um, this is not going to teach me anything I need to know about like a plant-based diet. I mean, we covered like a vegetarian lifestyle, but we didn't talk about vegan lifestyle really at all. In fact, it was kind of like throughout my program, you know, vegans have special needs and they need to get this and that. And if someone, you know, it's not for everybody. It's not like they were saying don't do it, but they were more so like putting all these warning signs. Like you don't really want to do that because it's a lot. It's a lot of work and you got to, you know, you have to watch out for this deficiency and it's hard to get your macros and da, 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 da. So it just was, <laughs> He's like, it definitely, um, it helped me like in my career because I do have like a day job and I work in public health. So it helped me in that aspect. But pretty much a lot of the things that I have learned about, you know, the vegan lifestyle and, you know, plant-based food and food combining and all of that was through my own research. Not, my program didn't teach me that. So. Oh, not surprising. So I go back and do, yeah, it's not surprising. And then there's, there's very few programs out there that really you know, teach you those things, but like, um, formally at a college level, but if I could go back and do it over again, I would try to find one because I just don't feel like it really taught me everything I need to know about the plant-based lifestyle. So. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, a lot of it came from, of course, your own research and cooking and experimenting and learning yourself, of course, you know, that's what it is yeah. crazy how it's like that. Is, mm-hmm. As someone who is in the health field, why do you think it's that way? Like, what's your opinion on why a lot of medical professions, a lot of medical um, professionals don't necessarily put veganism or just plant-based eating as a whole should be like the the standard? Like, why do you think that's not happening? Um, I think they themselves are not as educated about about it. So, you know, therefore they can't really you know, guide you because they don't know themselves. I mean, we've all heard this before that, you know, they only have so many credits of nutrition throughout their degree program as, as medical doctors. So I think that is one, I think that, um, when you start dealing with people who have, who have, um, you know, secondary and tertiary diseases, sometimes they feel like it's hard to manage those conditions and they really just want to help the person treat the symptoms. And I'm not really sure that, you know, and I don't want to just generalize because every doctor is different, but just in my experiences, I don't really feel like a lot of my doctors have tried to get to the root of the issue yes. Um, yes. and figure out, okay, what started this and what works for you? And um, that's why I really believe in like functional medicine and like going to see a functional medicine doctor, have your blood drawn, um, the whole eat right for your blood type thing. I, I really um, believe that that stuff is powerful and it, is really should be incorporated. I think everybody is different. You know, what even if plant-based foods, like I know for me having thyroid disease, like I really have to cut out, and I don't want to say cut out, but cut back on cruciferous vegetables just because of my thyroid condition. It's not really, you know, good for me to eat. But you you may have no issue with eating broccoli and cauliflower and other cruciferous vegetables like that. Um, and you tell your audience or tell whoever, eat this, eat that. And that may not work for me. So that's why I feel like, you know, not to go on a tangent, but 
Um, I don't really know why they don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know why they don't. I think it's just they're not really trying to get to the root of the issue. They're really just trying to treat. My cousin is a medical doctor and she always teases me and says, um, well, you know more about nutrition than I do. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't I don't really feel like I know a whole lot about nutrition. So that's why that's the that's the irony of it all. And she says that it's because she only took about she said it was probably like nine weeks or something. And and it wasn't even necessarily a requirement in her program. She took it because she was interested. So it's crazy. She said, because she feels like her job is just to kind of diagnose and prescribe at that. It, you know, it's not really getting, like you said, to the root of what's going on to make you feel a lot better opposed to just pushing a pill. So yeah, I believe that you're so right. True. And it's so, and also too, it's like, you know, um, with nutrition and with latest advancements that are coming out and like with different food products and different studies, it's like, you can't just do your two years or four years or however many of nutrition and be done and think you know all there is to know about nutrition because that it doesn't stop there. This is like a lifelong learning process and you have to really be continuing to educate yourself. Just like doctors have to continue to stay abreast of what's going on. Like, so do you, if you're a nutrition professional, you also need to do that as well. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why they don't advise on that because in their continuing education programs, they're not talking really about nutrition, which mm-hmm. is interesting because a lot of these diseases they're, tre- they're treating are nutrition related diseases. Right. So. Lifestyle related. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, mm-hmm. crazy, crazy. And that's why I love your work because um, first of all, I love the fact that, that you're a black woman doing this because I feel like there's not really enough representation online from the health perspective that feels relatable in in a sense because it's one thing to have somebody because you know we kind of just of course talked about an MD being on there but a lot of times they don't unless they are somebody who's vegan and did their own research kind of like uh, Dr. Greger then mo- it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter right so i love the fact that you do this work and it's like relatable it's approachable and you are really helping people so that's really important which is why i wanted you to come on to talk about how you were able to build your brand how were you able to get to this point what made you decide to start your blog Oh man. Um, yeah, it's been like two and a half. It's been like two and a half years since I started my blog. Well, I originally started it because I wanted to showcase my my artwork because I'm an artist, so I wanted to um, showcase my art. But I didn't I know never that. Wait, wait, go back. What kind of art? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I can draw, paint, graphics, all that. Like I said, my undergrad degree was in graphic design. I had a BFA in graphic design and advertising. So I always wanted to, you know, do art, basically, a fine, a fine art. So have my work like in a gallery or go work at a firm or something like that within the advertising field. And I just never worked in that field. And I used I used to be mad at God, like, why, why? Like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, Lord. I'm your child. I'm doing this. and I'm doing that. You know how you try so yeah. for people who are, you know, Christian or whatever, like you try to pray the word and do the word and you, you trying to like put your steps in alignment with what the word says and none of that. So I'm like, why can't I find a job? So then, so then yeah. I realized I was supposed to go in this route. So Part of the reason why I actually start, I shifted gears was because when I was doing my research, when I was trying to transition, I didn't really see anybody online that I could relate to that looked like me. There was yes. very few. Um, I saw, and even when I was transitioning, like later on, then I found people. Like then I found like Chef Aki and then I found Chef Lauren Vanderpool, people like that. But I still felt like um, they were so deep in it. There was nobody that was just like, okay, I'm, I'm trying, I'm testing out things. I'm seeing what works, what doesn't work. I'm sharing. They weren't sharing, not just beyond food. I want to know beyond food with, with living with endocrine disorder. There's things I have to avoid like, um, synthetic fragrances and I have to use clean beauty products and, um, there's endocrine disruptors all around us. I started my platform because I wanted to share those things and be a resource to, to other people in a time when I didn't have that same resource when I needed it. Um, and there was no one else, of course, online that was black who that I saw that had thyroid. You know, not everybody has someone in their life that is health conscious. So, you know, I just want to help other people do that, become more health conscious. Yeah. What is health conscious? What is your definition? Like, what does that mean to you being health conscious? It's just so much. It's like, you know, it's, it's your, thoughts it's like addressing like the negative thoughts that you have about yourself or about your life your outlook on life those around you your food where it comes from um food access eco-friendly living is it harmful to the environment do the workers have livable wages are they being treated fairly like are you buying from an ethical company i mean there's so many layers to it is it diverse is it you know is it accessible it's just so many 
<laughs> it's yes. so much that we can go into with that. You know, I mean, that's so many different meanings um, and so many different layers. So it's like a, literally health conscious is like an onion. It's like we could go on and on all day. Yep, I know. <laughs> when you started your blog and you got everything going, how in the world have you been able to work a full time job and still be able to be? Oh my gosh! Because when we talk, you are so active in the community. You are always flying somewhere, doing something, and I'm like, how the heck is Chelsea doing all of this? And I know she has a full time job. How do you keep your schedule going? Because girl, I know you are busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think what number one thing is to be transparent with your employer. So. Um, I do work in public health and it's not a secret. Like if you just, if you just Google my name and if you try to look up my name and then my degree or certification, I come up, my blog comes up everything. So number one, I've been transparent with every employer that I have, that I do have this blog and that I do, I'm active, you know, I do stuff outside of work and that transparency has established a lot of trust with my employers, um, historically. And also they've given me a lot of flexibility. So if I need to take some time off in the morning and work a little bit later in the evening to make up hours so that I can still have my time off and save leave and still get the work done, they're totally okay with that. You know, I, I do have the ability to work from home, not all the time, but if I'm in a position where I need to travel, I just um, say, hey, I need to travel to X location. Do you mind if I just put a couple of you know, hours in, you know, remotely and they're totally fine because at the end of the day, they just want the work done and they just want to make sure that, you know, they're getting their money's worth. And I think by me just being transparent, it lets them know like, hey, when I'm at work and when I'm working for you guys, I'm focused on your work. And so by doing that and like and you guys being flexible, then I can focus, you know, I can do a better job at work for you. I'm more loyal to you as an employer. And then I can really focus on what I need to do um, at home. Yeah. OK, so how how does this look then? Are you sometimes I understand for myself so I can only imagine what it looks like for you. I can bite off more than what I should be biting off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I why did I commit to this? Do you fall into that where you you overcommit? And you're oh, like, yeah. All how do time. you stop? Yeah, you do. Okay, all the time. So how do you, are you, what are you doing to try to, I guess, work on that? Yeah, I think this year in 2018, I decided I was going to start saying no more okay. because before, so 2016, I was really just kind of learning. I was just putting myself out there. 2017, I was like, all this stuff was happening. Last year was crazy. You know, I was on like eight to nine different live television segments last year. That was my first time breaking into TV. I had my first big speaking gig last year um, or gigs. And I felt like I had to be everywhere because people wanted me. So I felt like if they wanted me to be there, I needed to be there. But at the same time, like my mental health was like suffering in a way because I was like, okay, I'm having anxiety attacks. I was overwhelmed. I, I felt like, yo, I'm not really living what I'm preaching right now. Like not really preaching, but the message that I, I want to live. I'm not living what I say I'm living as far as putting yourself first and self-care. So I had moments where I just felt like, okay, I'm doing too much. So I set out the path this year, 2018. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start saying no more. And you know, I, I'm a Libra. So I feel like I have a people hey. pleaser. Um, aspects of me. Yeah, we do, right? Why we like that? (laughs) You don't want to hurt people's feelings. You want to make everybody happy. So, you know what? I can't do my best work if I'm like overwhelmed. And so I just said I was going to take a step back and not put my felt like I had, I can say no. It's okay to say no. And And that's the thing is too, with media and with television and all of that, a lot of these things were very, very last minute. I'm talking about like less than 48 hours notice. And so what I said was, hey, unless it's a huge platform, I can't do that again because it's just too much. I can't secure sponsors. So I just said, look, I'm not doing that anymore. Yes. And that's really how I've overcome it. I put up the boundaries and I, I need those boundaries to protect myself and to continue to put out good work. Yes, exactly. And as you were just, I'm telling you, you know what? One of the things I really love about you is the fact that you're able, you're so open about your experiences with, as far as like working on TV. You helped me tremendously i was freaking <laughs> out you were like probably like girl calm down <laughs> when you helped no, me no, no. <laughs> and i didn't even at the time know you but i we like were familiar with each other and i was like um yeah can you answer these questions you're like let's get on the phone <laughs> let me know yeah. it's going and i appreciate that because in so many ways, I know that we've come a long way as far as um, as far as far media, uh, sponsorships, working with brands, all of that stuff. I feel like we've come a long way. But I feel like in so many ways, 
it's still a mystery about how all of this works. And this is why I wanted you to come on a show and just share that with people, because sometimes people feel like they can't turn this um, being plant-based or vegan into a lucrative business for themselves. They feel like they can't do that. So that's why I wanted you to come on and share some of your experiences. Do you remember how you were able to secure that first uh, sponsored opportunity? Was it paid or was it free? Oh, yeah. In the beginning, it was free. I actually purchased a box from another blogger. I, I don't think, I don't know if she's vegan or not, but she had like a green beauty box. Her name's The Organic Bunny. And um, she had a, like a contest and it was like, hey, post a picture of yourself with the box um, and you get a free box like in the future. And um, at that time, like I said, I was transitioning to like healthier cosmetics and all of that. And um, so I posted a picture of myself with the box on my Instagram. This was like maybe two months after I started my blog. And she liked the picture and was like, oh, my gosh, like, I like this so much. Like, would you would you be interested? In, I'm starting an ambassador program. Basically, do you want to be an ambassador? I said, OK. Um, I, you know, again, I'm new to this. I didn't ask to be paid. I just got free products. So she's giving me free products. And I posted about what I liked and what I didn't like on, on my um, social media and on my blog. And then actually other brands that were in her network that were not part of the box yet started reaching out to me and asking me, hey, we would love, you know, did you try this? I would love to send you this. So meanwhile, this blogger has, at the time, I want to say she had maybe like 60,000 followers, 60 to 80,000, somewhere between there. So she's reposting my picture and other people, you know, the green beauty community is very, um, like, I'm sorry to be, just to be candid, it's very whitewashed. Oh, so yeah. people were like, who is this black girl on her page? Because the girl didn't really post a lot of women of color. And it's not because she didn't, I don't think necessarily because she wanted to. I mean, the girl lives in La Jolla, California. Okay. So just to put it in perspective, she, you know, she, <laughs> she has money. She's not around a lot of black people. So she started posting me and then other black women started following me. And then, then they started connecting me through food. And so anyway, that's basically how it started is those brands started reaching out to me. And then as I started going out to other like blog events, people were like, hey, you know, you should really be asked be charging people for this. I went to the first ever seed summit in Miami. And um, um, that's where I met like Sweet Potato Soul. I met um, John. I'm, I met other some bloggers, basically. John from um, Badass Vegan. So anyway, I started just listening to their stories and I started to meet other people and again, because of that event, and I posted that I was at that event, other vegan brands started reaching out to me. And so that's how it kind of all started. And so basically it was cross-promotion, just in summary. Yeah. And I think it's really important is to try to cross-promote ourselves so that other people can find us. Um, and then ultimately other brands, that that was another thing too that I did. I started doing work with my friends who were like, who had already been blogging and they wanted to help me. And so, you know, we would go out and do events together, take pictures together. And um, yeah, that's how brands will find us. What really started booming for me is that the same blogger that I told you about that had the box, she um, spoke, she had a panel that she put together for an event called Indie Beauty Expo. And she wanted me to be on the panel. So I flew to California, sat on the panel, and that's when it really started booming because mm. a lot, it was a lot of press there. I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the, the, the platforms, but it was a lot of press. So that's when it started and then like maybe a month later that's when i got a dm on instagram from um the producer from good morning washington and i was actually on vacation i actually spoke on the panel went on vacation while i was on vacation i guess i was storing that i was um making i went to a farmer's market bought some food came back home and was making food for my family with what i made from the farmer's market uh-huh. and he dm'd me and was like hey have you ever i love your food love your work have you ever been on tv have you ever considered tv and I'm, and I'm thinking, this is not legit, because this is a DM. And- Chelsea, I thought the same thing when, when he reached out to me. I was like, he, what is this? Yeah. I was I like, mean, I was Googling his name and everything, and I was like, what is this? Me too. Me too. And I was like, I didn't see his name really anywhere at the time. He didn't really have any pictures on his page. I said, okay, yeah, sure, you know, whatever, let me know. I said, I'll let you know when I get back from vacay. So like I, he was like literally I guess watching my story. So like as soon as I got touched back down back home, he was like, "Wait a minute, are you still interested? Because I haven't heard from you." Like he was very like, and I was like, "Oh yeah." I was like, Let, "By this point, he is sending me an email." Because he was like, "Listen, you, I haven't heard from you. What's going on?" Because yeah. he, he did give me his email address, but I still never followed up. But then when he emailed me and it had that signature in there, I was like, "Oh okay, this is this is real." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when it, that's when it really took off because I kept doing TV. So yes. when I went on the Good Morning Washington, after that, then a producer saw me from TV One. 
And that's how I got on TV one. That's from there. It's just been going, going up, going up. Yes. Okay. So there's so many things we can talk about here. I like how you, yeah. it's com- the importance of getting out there in your community and going to events. I know you told me that you're like, Monique, you need to, you got to get out there. You got to put yourself out there and go to these, uh, these local things. Even cause I like how you started. I feel like you started at the local events and then you kind of branched out from there. You know, do you feel like you did that or no, or the other way oh, around? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I went to a lot of local events and I didn't really say, Hey, look at me, I'm a blogger. You're I just chilling. I kinda just Yeah, I was just I was just seeing scoping the scene, just meeting people, just, you know, seeing what what this was all about and um just making genuine relationships with people. Yes. And then um when I start that's when I started getting invited to like national events because people saw that I was covering events. Hey, do you wanna come cover this event? You wanna come cover yes. cover that event? We really like the content you create and I was like, oh, Okay, sure. And so when you say cover your chain, you're saying that you would write a blog post, like a recap of what you did while you were there. Yeah. Like that a works. recap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just, it's cause it's, it's promotion for them. And so they, they want you to come cover it. So it's like almost like a sponsored blog post. You just, you get, um, you know, paid to, sometimes you get paid. Sometimes you just get comp to ticket. Sometimes you just get comp to ticket and travel. It depends on what the brand or the platform offers. And then you just go literally take photos of yourself there, detail what you learned, what you liked, what you didn't like. And they use that as market research and it also gives them publicity. So another thing I like too, is that a lot of times people aren't sure when they should charge. So I love how you took us through what that process looked like for me for you it was more so okay um in exchange for this product i'm going to you know show my audience what i purchased from or what you sent me type of thing and then you use that as an opportunity to get in front of other brands and other people because of course these platforms are b- bigger than you right they have more followers mm-hmm. than you and then you transition to paid opportunities first of all how do you know when it's time to go f- to paid opportunities yeah, I think once brands start reaching out to you, you know that you're worth something because they wouldn't reach out to you if they didn't think you were valuable in some way. I, I want to say I started getting paid when I had like 2,000 followers, but for everybody, it's different. Um, it's really, it's not really followers based, it's really engagement based. I feel like my followers, like, or readers or supporters or whatever you want to call it, they comment, they ask questions, they have conversations. And that's what brands really want to see. It's not necessarily you having the, and that's the thing that so many people are, are getting caught up here with buying followers, thinking that's what they just need the followers. But we have 20,000 followers and you got a hundred views on a video. The brand knows it's, it's not legit. And it also is like discredits you. And then people don't trust you. Absolutely. So that's, that's not what you want to do. So how I set my pricing initially was, um, was twofold. So basically it was what the brand offered. And then also there's a, there was a platform called Social Blue Book. Now, I don't know if this is antiquated or, or what if people are using this, but I was using Social Blue Book and Social Blue Book, when you sign up, it tells you based on your engagement, your following, your location reach, like all of that type of stuff, how much you should be charging per image on Instagram, like an average, you know, not including production costs and all of that. So I started trying to match the two. And so if a brand offered me, let's just say $200 for one Instagram post, the next time if a brand came around and said, what's your rate? I would say, I don't know, $250 or $300. Like mm-hmm. I just kind of kept going up from there. And then I started putting together packages. That's when I felt figured I, I get the most bang for my buck that way. So, hey, I'll share this on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest and also twice. And I'll also do a story with a swipe up for X amount of money. Yes. And the brand would be like, oh, okay. Like, because they don't know. A lot of times these brands, they know they want to work with you, but they don't know how. If you're, you're valuable in that sense, because you, you can just say, you can speak the language that they can't speak. So that's another reason why I usually charge a little bit extra if a brand um, comes to me and I don't see any diversity on their page. Am I really not going to see any diversity on your page? And I'm saying this is great because, you know, everybody's like Bob wanting to buy black and this and that. It's like you don't even have any black women or black people on your page, period. Yeah. So um, I think all of those factors play a part. And um, ultimately, you want to start pitching as well. So you have to decide what you think you're worth and what your time is worth. Um, so you can't just always wait for brands to come to you. You actually have to put together like what they call a media kit or a press kit that has all your blog 
stats, your social stats, who you are, what your message is about, what you're trying to do, some imagery, brands that you've worked with or where you've been featured. And you send that deck to brands and just say, hey, my name is, you know, Chelsea I'm from thatchelsea.com. Um, I'm a plant-based wellness blogger based from Washington, D.C. Um, I've been featured on TV One, Essence, News One Now, um, Good Morning Washington, and I'm helping my readers transition to a plant-based lifestyle in a non-judgmental way, something like that. And they say, I really love your brand. I've already posted about it here. Boom. Yep. I would love to work with you in some capacity. Do you have a budget for Q whatever, Q3, Q4, whatever? Do you have a budget or do you have whatever your language is? Because everybody's different. My language may not work for you. So usually I'm like, do you have a budget for Q3, Q4 to work with bloggers? Are you interested in working with bloggers? Like how does work, do you, you know, what does that look like for you? And then if they respond, then you can get the conversation going and you can tell them kind of what you had. And an even better way, if you can, is to get them on the phone. On the magic, phone. Okay, magic. You're done. You're magic. And, and that's the thing. I don't want to do these one-off collaborations. I want a long-term relationship with a brand. I have a long-term relationship with Sweet Green. I have a long-term relationship with, um, let me see who else is on my page, Well Summit. I work with Well Summit. So I wanted, because... The more longer term campaigns and relationships and things like that that you can solidify, the less work you have to do as a blogger. And it frees you up to do other things. Because mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, I know I have my check coming from Well Summit every quarter to promote Well Summit. I'm just giving an example because I'm not I'm not giving the details of the relationship because um for you know proprietary reasons, but I'm just giving you an example. Mm-hmm. I know I have my check coming from Well Summit every quarter, it's gonna be this amount, and this is what I gotta do, and I can set up a calendar. And it's full. That's it. Every year, that's what it's going to look like, you know, or however long we have our contract. So um, I don't think people think about it. I think they just think about wanting to get paid and not realizing, like, that shouldn't be your driving force. Your driving force should be to have a relationship with these brands. Working with one person, somebody refers you to something else and just making it work for yourself. I I think that's a really big takeaway. I'm so glad you mentioned that as far as it being like a long term relationship. And that's another thing I want to add because this is I'm about to drop a gem, okay? Go ahead. Don't know this. These, like, I'll give you an example. The um, Sweet Green, the community manager, Sweet Green. Sweet Green, she's connected to so many other brands that are within like the same category. That um, if I have a good experience with her, her word with somebody else will help me get a partnership with someone else mm-hmm. because of how we our relationship. And the way that all happened was really through LinkedIn. And I don't think we as content creators really use LinkedIn enough. I think they look at it like, oh, this is a, you know, you have to be in corporate America to be on LinkedIn. No, you're missing out on LinkedIn because um, I share, that's how I got almost, I want to say probably 60% of my partnerships have come from LinkedIn. Wow. And so what I've done is just share my articles, share my content, share video. And this is the cool thing about LinkedIn is um, LinkedIn um, kind of like Instagram now. Um, once you um, have so many followers or connections on LinkedIn, you can post native video. And what native video is, instead of you having to post a link, can someone click that link and then go watch it on YouTube? It automatically plays in their feed, mm-hmm. which is really important because you're getting the person's attention. Not a lot of people um, have access you know, to that feature yet. So it's less saturated. You're getting away from all the noise. You're going right to where all the community managers, social media managers marketing team is you're going right over there and if you're, a native video is going to come up in their feed it's going to say hey this is chelsea from that chelsea.com i just made this blue lotus tonic here's the ingredients you know whatever you decide you want to talk about um they're going to see it and once they like it they're connected to a million other people that you mm-hmm. want to be connected to and they like it and it shows up in all those people's feed wow so i think um if you're a content creator especially if you're a um, um you know vegan plant-based whatever eco-friendly you need to be on linkedin because your bread and butter is probably waiting for you on linkedin and you're just like why why aren't these brands noticing me over here on instagram and it's because it's too saturated you got to get away from all the noise go over to linkedin and you can actually do a search so you can search people so you can type in community manager marketing manager digital whatever the title term is um pr for the brand and you it'll come up and the answers are right there so instead of you trying to search for it on linkedin you just i mean on instagram you just search for it on linkedin Mm. Um, and then that's another way, like for me with media, I've been able to showcase like, okay, I have my banner on LinkedIn. So just like you do on Twitter, um, you, you know, you create a, you can create a banner. 
And it already, so whenever people view my profile at the top, it already, you already can see that I've been on TV and that catches people's attention. Even if you haven't been on TV and you have a blog, you can have your whatever, brownvegan.com, okay? And then have you in your element, <laughs> you, wherever, whatever you, whatever your message is, whatever you're trying to promote and that gives people attention and then you can put your clip. So you can put your links to where you've been featured. You can put, you can even put what you're looking for. Hey, I have this amazing podcast and I'm actually seeking sponsorships for Brown Vegan right now. Email me for more information and you can put that as a status update. Mm. What you're looking for. Hey, I'm looking to work with small brands and it could be that who are trying to get exposure, um, who are within vegan, eco-friendly, whatever. And I'm, you know, contact me for, for a race or something like that. I never really thought about it is that way, but you're absolutely right as far as, um, you know, getting, breaking through some of that noise because it can be very, very no- noisy on the other platforms. And the thing is, if you, um, I schedule a lot of my content, like with um, Buffer or Suite. So um, LinkedIn, it's like you schedule stuff on Twitter or you can schedule stuff to Instagram or Pinterest. You can schedule your content for LinkedIn. So you really don't even have to think about it. So you can just take a day, schedule your content for the next three weeks what day you want to post, um, what you want to say, and it'll automatically post for you. So sometimes you, it's like you don't even really have to think about it. Someone's engaging you. And you're like, oh, what did I post that? And like, I did do that, didn't I? And then they <laughs> ask you. Like, yeah. I, I did a workshop with the mayor, the mayor's office, mm-hmm. and I posted about it. Now, that's another thing, too, is that they're posting about it, too. Like, oh, Chelsea was here, and she did a great job, and this was amazing. And other people who attended are commenting. And from that... I got another speaking gig because they were like, yo, do you have a reel? Do you have this? Do you have that? And they were like, we want you to come speak about the same topic over here at this. Because, I mean, you know, that again, it snowballs. As a, right. And I don't have an actual product yet. I'm a I'm still a service based business. Mm-hmm. So meaning like I do speaking engagements. I provide consultations like like nutrition consultations you know, obviously digital for brands and paid content and stuff like that. So as a service-based business, I mean, we really thrive on um, word of mouth and referrals. LinkedIn is the place where you can see all your referrals, all the connections, and um, you you discover so many overlapping circles that way too. It's just, it's really great for business. You guys really need to be on LinkedIn. Okay. For real. All right. That was convincing. <laughs> <laughs> that was convincing. <laughs> So let's get into the the legals, <laughs> the legal things that we need to think about when it comes to, I guess, having a blog and what we should think about that maybe most people who are just getting started or in the thick of it like me need to consider as far as making sure that we're legally running our brands. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, you know, healthy, <laughs> healthy, healthy life, healthy business practices for sure. I think one of the things is that um, when people start a blog, they kind of just throw their blog up there and start putting content out there and all these beautiful images. They really have it outlined on their page, like the terms of use, um, which really outlines how other people can use your content. Because, you know, as you, we see, we're, we're living in an Instagram um, age where people are regramming photos all the time without credit or pulling um, your pictures from your website and using it on their website. So it's really important that you have a terms of use set up so that it really outlines how people can interact with you and your website. An affiliate uh, disclaimer, I think that's important too. So um, I monetize my site through affiliate links. So meaning if you click a link and you make a purchase or sometimes it's pay-per-click, I get a commission off of that click. And so I have to outline that on my website to say, hey, just FYI, I will get paid. However, um, I'm not promoting anything on here that I wouldn't personally use or that I haven't found benefit of. Especially as, as we're talking about health-related topics, I think it's important that you have a health disclaimer too that just says, hey, any any medical, health, nutrition-related advice that is provided on this website should not be a substitute, you know, for the advice of, you know, you're from your own medical professional. That's the key part, your own medical professional. I mean, there's so many layers to it. And then also with emails, if you're collecting email addresses and personal information, you need to have some type of privacy policy on there. Like, how are you... Once you collect this information, how is it being used? Is it being shared with third parties? Is it being sold to third parties? Just like when we go shopping on a website and we see all that language, we need to have similar language on our on our websites as well to protect us and to protect our readers. And I know yeah. you told me as far as um, when you receive free product, you have to also claim that on your taxes. Right. So um, that's another thing is why I kind of slow way down like early on accepting press packages from um, from brands because 
you do, you know, if you ever notice, if you start getting a press package and it comes with a receipt, you know, those brands are actually buying that on their taxes that they gave you $300 or $400 worth of product. Um, and you have to report that on your taxes. Now, every I'm not a tax professional, okay, and everybody has different situations or tax um, situations, but you do have to um, claim that on your taxes. You have to acknowledge that you receive that. And this doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get hit and say, oh, you owe, but you do have to claim that you received gifted product in whatever amount. So yeah, you just need to be mindful of that. That's why it's not really beneficial. And I started, and it, you can just tell the brand, you can say, hey, you know what? Um, I'd love to work with you on some type of paid collaboration, but at this time, I don't have the bandwidth to take on um, request for free product placement. And yeah. you can just say it like that. Anybody can understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's another thing. It's like, okay, you, you, oh, this is great. I'm getting, because, you know, I got a Vitamix last year. Somebody gifted me an almond cow. You know, I got all this stuff that in addition to being paid, I need to report that I received gifted product. Mm-hmm. That's something we don't think about. Really, really good point. Mm-hmm. I know that you do live workshops in the DC area. Why did you decide to start doing them? Yeah, so the workshops basically is a series. It's called Live Sacred DC, and um, it's basically mindful plant-based wellness experiences for women who live in the DMV area. And I started it because I felt like I wasn't seeing the type of events that I wanted to go to that were featuring like food that I could eat and topics that I wanted to discuss and people that I wanted to be around and just like just wellness experiences that I didn't have here. Like I felt like I would have to go to New York to like have these things and I'm like okay we we need something like this here especially you know most of my audience is women of color and so I felt like we didn't have anything that really was luxurious for us you know Mm -hmm. so I I started that and it's really been successful thus far like I've gotten coverage of it from the National Institutes of Health and you know just different um, platforms like that and so yes we usually meet in small circles the first one was at take care shop which is in dc it's a a lifestyle wellness shop and then the next second one was at drink juicery which is a juice company here in dc so the next one is going to be focusing on healthy business practices which is so interesting that we're talking about this Mm -hmm. because that's what the whole next one is going to be about because i know there's a lot of people who want to start a blog or want a wellness brand or they kind of just don't know the basics and it's just nice to be around other people. I figure if we can get all the wellness people in the room together, it's like these are people that you're going to want to not only work with, but learn from and grow with. So absolutely, um, that's why I started it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm excited about that one for sure. Yeah. That's good. Now, that's a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that one. That's a good one. So um, how do you, because I know we've been talking a lot about working with brands and sponsorships. How do you, I guess, how do you sponsors on board so that they can, you know, help offset some of the costs that comes with having live events? Because we know it's it can be very expensive. Oh, yeah. The thing is to, to pitch and offer your, so show your value. So um, I pitched all my sponsors. So I've been really blessed in that I haven't paid for venue space, period, for any of my events. I haven't paid for any of the products. So um, we got gifted food. You really have to pitch to a brand and, and pitch early. So more than 30 days out because they have to have get their budget together. You have to think about that. They have to have, to have enough time to make sure they have staff. If you need staff support for them to bring in um, products. So literally I send a personalized email to each brand and just say, hey, my name's Chelsea. I have these really cool events called Live Sacred DC. We have a community of about X um, women between the ages of X and X. And, you know, this is what we're trying to do. We've previously worked with this brand, this brand, this brand, and we would love to introduce your brand to the Live Sacred DC audience. Um, Is this something that you're open and willing to do? So you can do it like that where you just pitch for a free product or, and, or, you can pitch if it's a smaller brand or depending on the brand, it could be a big brand, but you can pitch to have them provide product and then also pay to be placed there. Mm-hmm. So to have a slot almost like, you know, or their logo somewhere or something like that. So um, you have to really be assertive and because these brands, like I said, a lot, sometimes they don't know that you're there. And so what I think is a really cool strategy is to try to, in your local area, pitch to local brands first. Not only is it just better for the health of your community overall, but it helps you kind of build a name for yourself in your local area, wherever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and then those brands are, I can give you an example, Take Care Shop. You know, we had our first event, Take Care Shop. 
And I already worked with some of the brands that Take Care Shop carries in the store. But then there were other brands who had never heard of me and I had never heard of them until I went into the store. And then they reached out to me because they saw, oh, you know, Becky, she owns Take Care Shop and we like Becky. So if she likes you, we like you too. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how it works. <laughs> uh-huh. It like trickles <laughs> down. So, yes. Yeah. So that's why I think it's really good to do local um, because, again, it helps you get more credibility in your in your area and that's what you want you want to start your area first and then try to move to a uh like a national platform yes yes this is so good oh my gosh you are dropping so much more than i expected in a good way (laughs) so this is good this is really good okay i know we've been talking about business and just your journey as far as becoming um a vegan but let's talk about some of your favorite vegan like beauty brands yeah so for foundation i really like plain jane beauty they have a lot of different shade ranges. They're vegan. I think it's just really important. The shade is the issue for me because, and that's the problem with Green Beauty is it's the darker tones is so hard to find. And I, I acknowledge that. So I try not to work with brands that don't have a wide shade range. Um, o Natural, AU, and then Natural with the E at the end. They have really great foundation, lipsticks, eyeshadows. They have a really good highlighter that I love. Lux. I wear like eyeliner every day. That's my thing. I know it um, is. So. What is that brand? Because I think it was fading out. What's the name of that brand again? Zuzu Lux. Z U Z U L U X E. And you can find that in Whole Foods or like Mom's Organic Market. It get on Amazon. But they're vegan as well. Um, really like Lily Lolo. L I L Y L O L O. Love their mascara. That's like my favorite, hands down. They're vegan. 100% pure. I love their lip shades. Now, their foundation, I'm not really big on, but I like their lip products. What else? Oh, man. What other beauty products? Man, we can go on and on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, this is your thing. This is your thing. The toothpaste. I use David's Natural Toothpaste, which is a fluoride-free toothpaste. So that's that's another one, too. Because I know a lot of people, you know, are not using fluoride right now. So I just wanted to mention Yeah, thank you for doing that. This has been a pleasure. I'm so, so thankful that we finally were able to get on the same page as far as our schedule to be able to talk. Tell us how we can connect with you after this episode. Yeah, so you can um, head over to my site. It's thatschelsea.com. Chelsea is spelled C-H-E-L-S-E-A. And you can find me on social, on every platform as that's that's Chelsea, uh, with the exception of Twitter. Twitter is hi, that's Chelsea. Um, make sure you do follow Live Sacred DC on Instagram. Um, and you can also go to livesacreddc.com to stay informed about the, uh, the next gathering. Thank you so much again for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope this episode was helpful. Come over to my Instagram or Facebook page at Brown Vegan and let me know your thoughts. Also, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find us. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.